0: Today on Ag News Daily. Right now we are we are selling a, one part on Colombia, the other part is going to the United States. We are probably uh, the only country that is allowed to sell in
1: the United States. And the other part is going to Japan. Listeners, today's episode is brought to you by Invita, your solution to season-long nitrogen fixation when and where your crop needs it. February tenth, two thousand twenty-three, Friday. Episode Jennifer, you and I are going to tackle the latest headlines this morning.
2: Yes, we are. So let's hop right into it.
1: Yeah, we'll hit weather like we typically do. Rain and mixed snow, obviously, was uh, what we saw here across to Iowa. But now, parts of eastern Oklahoma are looking to get the same type of a weather. Up to an inch of snow is expected in the Ouachita Mountains and uh, part of the eastern counties of Oklahoma. Areas of rain and mixed snow. May develop some travel issues there, may also extend down into Arkansas. Of course, Missouri, the Ozark regions are looking into uh, some potential storms coming up in that direction. But other than that, I think we got out pretty scot-free. We did not get any additional accumulation here in Iowa. The winds did pick up last night, but there was no necessary outages that hit the newswire this morning for power. So that was good news for us.
2: I would say so also. And so, hopping into my first headline of this morning National Corn Growers Association says the next farm bill will need to include crop insurance coverage that is reflective of actual prices. Wayne Stockscop, Director of Public Policy, tells us that the statutory reference price for corn is $3.70 and well below the current farm gate price. He says that we know that the cost of production and the challenges that growers are facing on input costs in particular mean that's not necessarily the best level of protection. A recent analysis by ag economists at the University of Illinois and Ohio State University goes further. They suggest changing the parameters of the calculations used to determine prices that could better adjust to market conditions. The Senate Ag Committee held a farm bill hearing Thursday on ag commodity programs, crop insurance, and credit.
1: Hey, there you go. Thanks for the update on that side of things. Got a couple of small updates here related to pipelines. Navigator CO2 Ventures is arguing that the state law allows for them to survey in constitutional fashion. So they have sought a court-ordered injunction against four landowners throughout their pipeline category or their pipeline access direction out of Woodbury County that have denied the company access for surveying. And uh, they are seeking this ahead of hearings to create that injunction. There are court cases that have happened in the past, 2015 in Boone County. The judge or the a uh, pipeline company was successful in awarded, getting awarded that injunction so they could survey the process. Uh, since surveying is not a direct action of eminent domain, uh, it is simply that to apply the feasibility. So Navigator CO2 Ventures, who we've talked about on this podcast, is seeking an injunction for four cases in Woodbury County. And we also got an update as to the cause of the Keystone Pipeline oil leak that happened in December. That spill to remind everybody was about 500,000 gallons of crude oil in December in Kansas. This was discovered to be caused by a faulty weld that due to bending stress fatigue created a leak. The TC Energy, the pipeline's Canadian operator, stated that this cause was determined by an independent lab and they found a failed section along this portion of the pipeline. Although the welding did pass inspection and testing at the time of installation and did match and fit within guidelines of all applicable codes and standards, this weld did have a flaw that led to a crack that over time, due to bending stress fatigue, created the rupture. So the faulty weld was on a fitting that was completed within a fabrication facility, so it was not an on-site weld. Uh, the bending stress does remain under investigation whether that was natural uh thaw and heaving or if that was uh for some other reason but the goal is to get the pipeline back up and running because it normally pumps nearly 622,000 barrels or more than 26 million gallons of oil per day from alberta canada to refineries in texas illinois and oklahoma so it is still remaining a focus us to pay attention to
2: that does sound very important to make sure that we are keeping some attention on and my next headline is the president of potatoes USA says worldwide demand for potatoes is outpacing its production Blair Richardson told the Wisconsin potato and vegetable Growers conference that 20 years ago the U.S controlled about 55 percent of global potato export market but now it's closer to only about 23 percent. We've lost a lot of market share, but during that period of time, we've almost doubled our massive exports of potatoes. So we've increased exports, but lost massive market share. And what that means is demand for our products is growing more rapidly around the world than what we can keep up with. And he says, despite massive increases in European potato production, they can't keep up with demand. They're so concerned that they can't get all of the product they need for their frozen and processed foods. So they increased their contract prices by 40% this year. That's on top of the 25% increase they had last year, but they're still not going to be able to fully contract the acreages they need to supply their processing plants. Richardson says U.S. potato export sales were up 9% last year and 28% compared to five years ago. He says domestic retail sales have also reversed a trend by going up 6% over pre-COVID levels of five years ago. Statistics show that potatoes are America's favorite vegetable, followed by broccoli, corn, and tomatoes, which I find very astonishing.
1: Yeah, I thought corn would have been... Much higher as we uh, love our sweet corn in the summer, but it's definitely a good time to be a potato grower. That is for sure. It is not a good time to be a manufacturer of weather balloons. But before we get into that headline, have you heard that there's a new nitrogen in town? Invita provides constant season-long nitrogen supplies created directly within the cells of your crops plants. With Invita, there's no application guesswork. You can choose in-furrow or foyer. Vita will fit your farming's practice and work all season long to make accessible nitrogen when and where your crop needs it. To learn more about filling your nitrogen gaps this growing season, visit exotic-na.com. A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A.com. Washington is confident that they know the manufacturer of the Chinese balloon, the Chinese balloon as dubbed, Weather Balloon had multiple antennas for intelligent gathering purposes, and has a direct relationship with the People's Libertarian Army, a senior State Department official mentioned as a direct tie to China. The company involved in making this Chinese spy balloon could face sanctions. The company stated, which the official did not name directly in this news release, is an approved vendor of the Chinese military and advertises balloon products on their website, as well as having incriminating videos from past flights showing to have appeared within U.S. airspace and that airspace of other countries. The balloon's presence in the U.S. airspace, obviously, is the reason we continue to talk about this headline this week and has caused more geopolitical tensions between the two superpowers. Of course, U.S. has been building pressure on China As far as getting trade relations back to an even playing period, there's also been the crackdown on TikTok as well as the deal dealings with the Philippines and access to military bases near Taiwan. So a lot of things continue to be a focus there, Uh, but it looks like they have located the constructor of this product and may have additional charges that they could pass along, Jennifer.
2: That is very interesting to hear all of the updates on this throughout the week. My last headline for the day is the Senate Ag Committee says it wants to enhance current farm safety net programs and crop insurance investments in the next farm bill. In Thursday's committee hearing lawmakers asked for USDA's feedback on adjusting reference prices in the ag risk coverage and price loss coverage programs. When we talk to producers, there's lots of concerns about rising input costs. Our delivery of programs is critical to put money in their pockets to help address that, Robert Bonney, the Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, said. Ranking member John Boozman said for the last six years, more than $70 billion has been paid to farmers in ad hoc disaster relief. Lawmakers want to find a better way to use that kind of money to help agriculture. John Hoven, the U.S. Senator for North Dakota, said if Congress can improve existing safety net programs and provide more flexibility, it could reduce the need for ad hoc disaster programs. Lawmakers also agreed crop insurance is an important risk management tool for farmers, but Busman does not want USDA to tie crop insurance to specific conservation practices.
1: There you go. Another update there. I do have one last update headline here from us. We need to be careful and why we need to pay attention to the EPA's proposed rodent side mitigation measures. So obviously out of sight, out of mind, we as ag producers don't like rodents, but we now have some of our rodent side chemical and opportunities for mitigation coming under scrutiny. We know that once you see a rat, a mouse, or any type of rodent as such, You put bait out, we should be baiting constantly, says experts, but the EPA is proposing significant changes to rodent sides that would result in the canceling of products, more requirements on labels, and reclassifying some of the used previous pesticides as restricted use. Regardless of being a livestock producer, citrus grower, manager of a golf course, this is going to impact everybody, Jennifer. The American Farm Bureau Federation says it's more challenging now than ever in our regulatory environment to continue to grow as an American producer, and this is another thing we want to combat before unnecessary measures get put into place. November 29th, 2022, the EPA released for public comment the new proposed mitigation measures, and that included 11 sides, and that has now become a focus of Agricultural Retailers Association to uh, make sure that there are not significant changes made to these rodent sides, as they are still necessary for keeping our food supply safe. So another headline that we will keep an eye on, but don't forget if you are looking for nitrogen solutions that are going to be available when and where your crop needs them, we have a product that has never made it easier. If you wanted to imply in-furrow or foyer, InVita grows with your plant, colonizing with the roots, leaves to fix nitrogen within their cells when and where it needs it most. Whether you're boosting your yield or reducing nitrogen inputs, InVita is the partner for your crop to bridge your nitrogen gaps. To learn more about InVita, visit azotic-na.com. That is A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A.com. But Jennifer, markets for this Friday episode are certainly in the green, on the grain side of things trading a little lower obviously than our episode recording time yesterday the corn opens up three and a half up to 674 a quarter soybeans are up five cents to 15 at 24 and a quarter the wheat contract is the largest gain coming out of the overnight to 7.66 which is up nine cents but as we move over to the livestock complex our front months contracts for Live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hogs open slightly up, but April live cattle contracts down just seven cents to 163.62. Feeder cattle even for the April contract at 190.72. Lean hogs April contract is currently sitting at 83.32 and a half. So some decent markets there for us to report on a Friday edition. But who do we get to have a conversation with today?
2: Absolutely. Today is part two of Delaney's conversation with Jose Luis gonzalez Checon.
1: All right, let's get into it.
3: I'm super excited to be bringing a conversation from a Colombian farmer, Jose Luis gonzalez Checon. Jose... You guys have a lot of
0: chickens. Yeah, right now we have uh, five thousand, five hundred thousand, and the idea of the company or, or our farm, uh, or our farm is to go to. Uh, we are aiming for two million
3: in one cycle.
0: Mm, more or less, it depends on the time and how. It, but doing more than than two million a cycle is just not. No one can handle that. So we just want to divide and have a big amount of two million in total. Uh, 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 on our disposal, if you can say that.
3: And it's their m- meat birds. You're mm-hmm. not doing it for egg production. No,
0: we don't like egg production. At least on our family, we don't like that. Uh, and it's because, one, egg production is very, very sensitive, especially on the biosecurity and the, and the process they have. And, I mean, we can do that. We have the the, re- the resources to do it, but... We found it just annoying, to be honest. It's kind of annoying, at least for us. And the personnel, that we, the people that work with us has no expertise on, on that branch, so we just rather go with something that mm-hmm. we actually know. And I think that's what we'd like to about that.
3: Yeah, so, you, so the chickens that you are managing are mm-hmm. spread out across multiple barns?
0: Yeah, we have 13 barns right now, but two of those are split on half because they are very long. And we want them to be comfortable uh, at the beginning of the of the process that we started. It was normal to have very, very long barns, and they were not actually not so comfortable for the for the animals, so we started working on how to manage and how to make them feel comfortable because uh, if, so if you feel fresh that if you feel cool, that the environment is cool that's for you, but the animal is going to have. You want to be very, very cold. And the same happens on the the other side. If you feel hot, that means that that bird is going to die because it's very, very hot for them. So you have to work with what they feel, not what you feel. And because of that, we just invest a lot of money and a lot of time in technology so we can actually manage and control what is happening inside the, the barn.
3: Yeah, and with your engineering background, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you helped to design some of the barns and some of the technology. Just do
0: the, no, not technology, <laughs> just do the, the infrastructure, to be honest, I'm not so good with technology. Uh, but I have good relations with people that actually know what they are doing. So I just trust them and they, uh, I, I work with people from Canada, with people from the United States, uh, Spain, Brazil, uh, I forgot there is another country, I think, Brazil, um, and Denmark. Uh, we work, uh, We usually work with them, and we try to always try to um, renew our technology, because every time is changing and everything is evolving. So we try to have the best for the chicken, so they actually have a very, very good lifespan. And we also know that it's a short lifespan, but come on, I need... Every, the humanity need the food, so we are giving the food, but we are also going, trying to give the chickens the best life that they can get.
3: So, what is your marketplace like for the chickens? Where are you selling them?
0: Right now, we are we are selling on one part in Colombia, the other part is going to the United States. We are uh, Colombia is the only country that is allowed to sell chickens in the United States, and so the other part is going to Japan.
3: Oh, I didn't realize that Colombia was the only country that could sell chicken yeah. to the United States.
0: And you can search this because of Cargill. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the only country that is allowed for two things. The, we have, the, um, we have uh, Newcastle free. That's a disease that usually the chickens get. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that the, our yields and the quality of our chicken is uh, I, I think, at least for the, according to the numbers that I check, we have the best chickens in the world right now.
3: That's amazing
0: yeah. I had no idea yeah it's, it's, it's kind of weird because I, th- I always thought that the United States because of the technology the access to the food the, and the feed for the chickens that the, the, that you guys have i thought, always thought that you were miles miles away from us, but when we came to to realize that it wasn't that that we, are, we were the ones actually that were even the best birds in the world was like, man, but we don't have the same technology and the same infrastructure. What is going on? And it was amazing to understand that we were doing something very, very, very very right. So Hmm. it was good.
3: Wow, that's really interesting. So you have all this stuff going on, and then on top of that, you're also a Global Farmer Network member. Yes. So, what year did you become a member? And tell our listeners a little bit more about the organization.
0: Uh, to some of us, they call us the COVID generation. We started in 2020, <laughs> and actually, they, they, we finished the process with the the GFN before I think it was two or three weeks before the pandemic actually kicks. So that's why they call us the pandemic crew or something. But it was amazing. It was an experience. And it's been an experience that I, I have to admit it's, it's amazing. I, I tell everyone that I'm so proud to be part of them because I'm not here for the money, as some people think, that we actually we have this kind of group because of money or just to do the network to earn more money or kind of like that. At least from my side and my experience is that I'm not here for that. I'm here to help. And I like to tell my story, how do I get it started on farming? How do I, what we do, how can I Im- improve And how, And learning that what we are doing wrong so we can improve more. It's all because of them. And it's, it's amazing to also help the other people that don't have the same resources. I, I have to go back and think way, way, way back when we start doing farming and we just using sticks and some pieces of metal just to protect the chickens and teach them that way because that's a way to start. And I don't charge, I just do it because I love it. And I always tell them, for example, there is a guy here that is from the from the Philippines and, I, and he told me, oh, I, I need your help. Can you help me with this and all this stuff? I told him, yeah, sure, I can help you with, with whatever you want, but you have, I just give one condition to everyone, I, I wanna visit your country and learn about your country. I can pay for everything, but just give me the opportunity to be with you there. And they always say, but you're not asking for anything, then uh, yeah, for me, something. And it's amazing to be honest, I've met a lot of good people. I met, I did um, some good relations. I lost people here also because of accidents and stuff. And, but I mean, the experience is just amazing to be honest.
3: Yeah, and it's really neat to see how farmers are just Worldwide, really dedicated at helping other farmers succeed.
0: Exactly. That
3: sounds like exactly where your head is at.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. And actually, my family has the same way of thinking. It's not, uh, we have some, we we usually say inside the family, not to the people that work with us, but we know that they can tell that we do that, is that um, if we give you more money and you help us with whatever you do, it doesn't matter your activity inside the company. And inside the farm or inside the plantation, whatever part you're working with us, is that if you do your job, we are going to pay you more than whatever you think you are going to earn. And because of that, a lot of people actually re- retribute more money to us than what they think that we are earning. And I say that because I said that because actually we are at least my family and my company and whatever you want to call it. We have a heavy, heavy structure where we just consider every worker part of the family, and because they are part of the family, we are going to help them. And we have cases where kids just run to us and tell us, we want to go to university, and we tell them, well, we are going to pay for you the university, but you we have one condition for you, you have to study something that is going to help develop the agro, in Colombia at least. We're not with us, we just don't want to keep people. We are just one to help people develop the, the agriculture in Colombia.
3: Well, that's awesome. I feel like we've only kind of scratched the surface of yeah. your story. But thank you for the great conversation.
0: You're welcome.
1: Well, there you go. Hopefully Delaney makes it back safely. She certainly will have a lot of experiences to talk about next week on the podcast. But I'm ready for the weekend. Our listeners probably are too. So what do you say? Should we let them go?
2: Let's let him go.